right, all right, grab your worship guide. If you would turn to the center, I always try to encourage you to turn to the center so that you can take some notes with us. I always want to encourage you to go a little bit deeper than what we do on Sunday, and so we make the notes available online as well. If you go to onehopechurch.com, click on today's message notes, you can follow along in detail with us. You can also download the PDF if you're one of those like, hey, I want to save that and remember what you said so I can go back at another time. I want to encourage you to be a note taker. It's powerful. It's something you can always look back and say, that was the day God met me. And so we're going to jump into our series in just a moment, but I got a couple of things just to remind you of as we are in the, the middle of like the summer. How many of y'all know we're in the middle of summer right now, right? Yesterday, 102 degrees. That's what it felt like. It, it said 93, but they said it feels like 102, and everywhere I went, it felt 102. How about you, right? We're right in the middle of summer, a lot going on, lots of family things and vacations. And if you've been on vacation or going on vacation, we're excited for you. Go, go have some fun, relax, enjoy the summer vacation. When you get back, make sure July 13th is on your calendar. That will be our citywide serve day. And it's one time a year. We serve every single month somewhere, but, but once a year, we try to say every single person ought to just kind of show up, put on a One Hope Serve Team shirt, make a difference. The easiest way to be involved is go to onehopechurch.com, click on the Serve Day app, download it, and then you'll be able to see every project that we're going to be doing in the city. You can even submit another project to Felicia and the team if you'd like to and say, hey, we ought to do this. You can sign up and say, I'm going to join that project. And they'll, they'll send you a little email update and say, hey, here it's coming. And uh, bring, you know, closed toe shoes or uh, don't bring the kids to this one, bring the kids. It's just going to give you some detail about that particular project. And once a year, once a year, I challenge you to just get outside of your comfort zone, show up. Whether you have a job where you sweat or not, just come ready to sweat. Can I get an amen, Right. You're going to be sweating anyway. It's going to feel like 102 no matter where you are. Might as well sweat for Jesus, right? New slogan, One Hope Church, sweating for Jesus. I, no, we're not going to do that, all right? But, but that's coming up July 13th. Uh, a couple other things I want to make you aware of that most of you have seen, but I really want to honor our worship team and really honor Shalina Burlack for stepping up and, and continuing to lead our worship team. She has become officially our worship leader. Why don't we give her a great hand? Whether she's in the room, I think she stepped out, but just want to honor her for stepping into that role. I have been leading worship with Shalina myself since she was about 14 or 15. She was in our youth worship team. I used to work with my dad in St. Charles Parish right down the bayou, and I was a youth pastor there and led worship for a number of years, and Shalina was in our youth group, and she led worship, and she has been leading for so many years. It just was time for her to be the tip of the spear for us, to say, you know what, I'm going to lead the charge, and we're excited about what God's doing there. So you're going to see a lot more of her as if you hadn't seen enough of her already. Are you going to, you're going to see a lot more of her, and we're excited about that. One other thing I need to make you aware of, and I, I normally don't announce, I never announce uh, when I am going to be out, but because I'm going to be taking an extended time away, I thought I would let you know, because here's why I don't announce it. Some of you, you kind of keep tabs, and if pastor's going to be gone, then they're like, oh, he's not, he's not keeping roll on that Sunday. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the park. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Listen, we, we don't operate that way around here. We love Jesus and we show up for Jesus. Amen, everybody. I enjoy what I get to do, but we are here for him. And our overseers are going to be coming in this following Sunday for, for the next four weeks. And they're going to be preaching in my place and, and just kind of pouring into you. And these are all spiritual fathers of mine and, and spiritual son of mine that's going to be sharing with you for four weeks in a row. And, and, I, and I, here, here's the reason why. 
As we look at ministry in our culture today, we, we lead a charge, a new charge of what's happening in our nation of pastors and churches. And we're discovering that lots of ministers aren't retiring as ministers. And the reason is, is they don't get enough time to back away. And some of that is because guys like me just love what they do. I love what I do. This is, this is fun for me. If you come back tomorrow, I'd preach again. Okay, like I, that's who I really am. But our overseer said, Josh, you've been doing this 21 years. I, can y'all, y'all really, like, I don't look that old, right? It's a good place to say amen if you didn't know, but 21 years that I've been pastoring and, and uh, they said you've never had and your family's never had a time where you just take a few weeks away. And so they've asked us, nothing's wrong, everything's great. And I'll tell you this, I got a message today and I already know what I'm preaching when I get back and I'm fired up for it. I'm already praying for God to meet us, but I just need you to know, and I want to encourage you, be faithful in the next few weeks. Uh, be in church, because these spiritual fathers are men who have poured into my life and my wife's life for 15 and 20 years, some of them. They've been a part of who we are, and I just want to encourage you, pray for us while we're out, and when we get back, we've got exciting news coming. This fall is going to be exciting. We're going to turn five this fall. Come on, everybody. It's, we're going to tell you about what's happening there. Hey, listen, and we act like a five-year-old, don't we, around here? Come on, all right? I think my preaching, I'm almost six, all right? Like, I'm almost a, Y'all know when we launched the church, I said, praise God, we're a new baby. We got 10 fingers and 10 toes, but we are, we are prone to mess ourselves, right? We are prone to, we're prone to mess this up, and so I'm excited to be five now, all right? And, and so we're going to start acting our age at five, I think, all right? But that's coming, and I just wanted you to know, can you look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to be in church? Come on, you're going to be in church? Come on, tell them real quick, we're going to be in church and support them, all right? It's going to be a great season. Thank you for allowing me to do this. Can I say that to you? What a privilege it is to be your pastor and to see our church continue to grow, to see our church look like our city. It's an honor for me to do it, and I can't imagine doing anything else. And uh, it actually, can I just be, can I be very honest with you? When they asked me to take a few weeks off, I was like, oh no, I just don't think that's God. But I think they're right. I think they're right. And so we're going we're gonna to come back and see God do some great things this fall. But it's going to be a great summer. Remember, remember, July 13th. Don't miss the day, okay? Now we're going to continue our series, third week of our, uh, our message series we've called Only God. And we're focusing ourselves because we live in a world right now that different leaders, different people, different environments, they kind of claim God-like things. They think that they have the solution to life. They, they found the secret sauce of success. And what we have decided to do for this summer is just come back as a church family and say, no, 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 only God does that stuff. Only God would send Jesus on our behalf. Amen, everybody. Only God would sacrifice his son for you and for me. Only God can do miracles. Only God redeems. Only God has a better plan. That's what we've talked about in the first few weeks. And today, I'm going to share a message with you that's simply titled, Only God is Perfect. Only God is Perfect. I've often said to you guys that, you know, growing up as a preacher's kid had, it pro, had its pros and cons. You know, there was great times with God that I really enjoyed, but there were also some pretty big times where I felt like I was under the microscope. Have you ever uh, taken a new job somewhere and when you came to the new job, you felt like everybody was watching you? You were the new girl. Come on, right? You were the new guy in the room and you were, they were making sure that you were working when you were supposed to be working. And so as a very young person in church, my, my parents planted a, a church when I was 10 years old, just about. And man, I felt like everybody was watching me and, you know, was, and, and there was this, this common topic that Christians, Christians, we're supposed to be perfect. 
I even think it was taught in error, if I'm honest with you today. I I think it was taught to an extreme and and it was taught with quite a bit of misunderstanding because the idea of perfect is basically saying you and I, uh, we've never made a mistake before. How many of y'all want to be real honest in church right now? Anybody want to be real honest? Raise something if you've made a mistake in your life. Come on, come on, I'm raising all I got. I've made some mistakes. The guy on the stage isn't perfect. And, and, And some of it was birthed out of a few verses that I would say we, we weren't really given the best translation. Back in the day for me, we were reading the King James Version of the Bible. And, and here's what Matthew 5 and 48 says. It says, be ye. Come on, look at your neighbor and say that. Be ye. Come on, real quick. Be, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. When you read that verse, all of a sudden there's pressure. How about you, right? All of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, they don't know what I said this morning. (laughs) If they only knew what I did with my kids on the way to church, right? And so it fosters this immediate feeling of like pressure and I don't know how. What am I supposed to do with this? Some camps, they, they didn't use the word perfect, but they found another verse in 1 Peter. And here's what it says. It says, but... But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be, come say with you must be holy because I am holy. And those two words scare me to death. This idea that I'm supposed to live like I never messed anything up in my life, that I'm supposed to be holy, what in the world is that? And because of this terminology and this idea, Because of this extreme idea of perfection and holiness, what it birthed was a whole generation of people who started putting on a mask. Because immediately, immediately, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to tell you that, right? Come on. I'm not going to let it out. I'm going to, I'm going to, so I'm going to come to church and yeah, you're on the way to church just about to murder your children. But then you check them in like, praise God, hallelujah, my little angels, (laughs) darling angels. No, they're not. They need Jesus just as much as you do. Amen, everybody, right? They're in that moment. And so we immediately immediately put on the the mask. Some of the masks that we put on are the mask of success. The mask, like we, we, I've got it together. Look, see, my shirt is tucked in. I wore a belt that matched my shoes. Amen, right? Somebody walked up to me and said, Pastor, where are your socks? I said, they're at home where they belong. They thought I had forgotten my socks like it was an accident. I said, no, 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 no socks is perfection. That's what we're going for. Not a part of my message. But we put on the mask of pretending that we've got it all together. Pretending that, you know, you know our lives aren't messed up. And, and so then we start the, the mask. It really becomes this theme of hypocrisy because we know we can't be perfect and we think there's an expectation of perfection. And because there's an expectation of perfection, because Christians are called to be ye, therefore perfect. And so because that is a reality, there's this pressure. So we got the mask of success. We got the mask of busyness. How about this one? Because it's really, the, I call it the mask of self-importance, because if you're busy, then you're important. If you don't have time, if there's a lot going on, then you're an important person. And listen, you can be doing a lot and be doing unimportant things, right? How many of you ever looked up one day and said, oh my gosh, how many Netflix series did I watch today? Come on, being honest in church today, right? That's unimportant. Can we be real? Come on, that's unimportant. It's not going to change nobody's life but yours. 
Amen. <laughs> we put on the, the mask of success, the mask of busyness, the, the mask of social media. And it's because we misunderstand and have maybe even not really taught it the way that we're supposed to. Like, what does is, what is perfect really mean? And is the word perfect there the best translation of the word? And so we're going to go old school. We're going to go deep. Ready? I'm going to teach you a little Greek and Hebrew, all right? The word perfect in the original language is teleos. Would you try to say that with me? Come on, with a little English accent altogether. Come on. Teleos. Teleos. I like that one. It literally means mature and complete. It means somebody who's growing up and they're going to finish the job. They're going to complete the deal. They're going to, they're going to carry it. They're going, to, they're going to be a perfect Christian. They're going to be a mature Christian who's going to finish the job. Now, when you understand that perfect doesn't mean having it all together, perfect doesn't mean in Scripture, it's a, it's a, poor, it's a poor word use there. They should have said mature. They should have said complete in honoring God. Because here, all of us, we recognize that we can mature and we can finish some things. Now, there's a different word for the word holy, but this is one that's equally misunderstood. It's the word hagios in, in the Greek. You can try that one with me. Come on, all together. Hagios. It literally means sacred or set apart. So when something or someone is holy, we're just saying they're really important, and so we set them apart. So it's saying, you're not a paper plate, you're fine china. Because if you're holy, you don't, you don't toss it out. No, no. If you're set apart, you treat it differently. How many of y'all realize today that your pastor is not a paper plate? You're looking at fine china right now. Come on, right? <laughs> Don't laugh that hard, all right? <laughs> it ain't right, all right? But, it, but it, here, here's the deal. Here, here's the, perfection and holiness are misunderstood in Scripture. And so there's a whole group of people. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're, you showed up because somebody invited you or somebody told you, hey, this church is different. But you felt the pressure to put the mask on. Can I just tell you, you're looking at a guy that's not wearing a mask. I, I'm a real person. I need to mature. I need help. I am work, uh, work in progress. Uh, he's still working on me. There's an old Baptist song, right? We, we sing it. It's a reminder. Listen, we're, 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 we don't have it all together, but we are maturing. We are working to complete the goal. We are, we are trying to set ourselves apart to be more like God. Years and years ago, in the early 1800s, Hans Christian Andersen wrote a fable uh, simply titled The Emperor's New Clothes. And in the fable, Hans Christian Andersen talks about an emperor who's really excited about his clothes. Like he thinks the best deal is to have cool clothes. And so he's got a nine o'clock robe, a 10 o'clock robe, a 12 o'clock robe. And, and anytime there's something new happening, the emperor would have the weavers weave him a new robe. And so he was getting excited about meeting another leader. And so lots of pressure. He calls in the head weaver and says, I know I've got lots of robes, but I need you. I need you to put another one on. And so the new weavers come in and they realize that there's nothing they could create that the emperor is going to think is amazing. So they devise a deceitful plan. They devise a plan to make clothes out of nothing, but tell everyone that if you want to see the material that these clothes are made out of, you can only see them if you're wise and mature. But if you're unwise and immature, you won't be able to see them. So can I just tell you, if someone says when you walk into the room, if you don't see it, you're dumb, 
what are we going to do when we walk into the room? Oh, that's amazing. So the emperor's wife was sent over to see the, the new robes and process. And when she walked into the weaver's room, they're working on empty looms. They're, they're working on, and nothing is there. And they had told her, if you can see it, you have to be extremely wise. If you're unwise, you're unable to see this amazing clothing that's being put together. And so the emperor's wife walks in and says, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You're going to be clothed in beauty. And so the emperor gets excited and he sends in his head weaver to do the same thing. And he tells him, they've told me that the only way we'll be able to see the clothing is if we're extremely wise and mature and we've got it all together. And so the, the, the weaver goes in and, ha, ah, empty looms. Working, working, working. What do you think, sir? Do y'all see? Can you see it? Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. So the emperor's wife and the weaver prepare the emperor to go on a parade to, to declare to the world these things. And so he comes in and you must take off your other robe and you must put on this other robe. And so the emperor knows that he's the one who's supposed to be the smartest and the brightest. And he walks into the room and the weavers are holding nothing. Sir, you must disrobe. Oh, it's beautiful. And he puts on nothing and he begins to parade himself in his britches down the block, everybody. And he's walking about and walking about and people are, oh, oh, look at the emperor's clothing. And one child steps out and says, the emperor has no clothes. Straight up streaking down the block, everybody, is what he's doing. And in that moment, the emperor realized his foolishness. That he had been duped into a mindset an understanding of what maturity was, and he paraded himself thinking he was something that he was not. This is what has happened to the church. We've been erroneously taught that we have to pretend and put on a mask and have it all together. No, no, no. This is a great hospital for people who have sick issues and need Jesus in their life. And you come in and some of us have been in longer, so we know the right hallway to turn you down and we, we know where the restrooms are, but every one of us is in the process of God healing our lives, of God doing what only God can do. Amen, everybody? And so what, we need someone like the little boy just to walk up and say, hey, <laughs> love you, but uh, you ain't wearing any clothes today. See, maturity, maturity isn't what we think it is. Maturity, write it down, teleos, it's a process. It's a process of learning and growing. And no matter where you are in your faith, maybe you're beginning today. Maybe you've been doing this for a long time. Maturity is a process. It doesn't happen in a moment. It takes steps. And so that's why we have next steps in our church. Not so that you will go to a class and say, I'm done, because you're not done when you finish the class. The class is there to teach you that you need to take steps. For the rest of your life, if you want to grow up in God, you're going to have to put one foot in front of the other to become more like God because it doesn't happen in a moment. You can give your life to Jesus and still struggle with cussing the next day. <laughs> Matter of fact, I saw a shirt this week that said, I, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little bit. I get what they're going for, but I don't know if I'm going to wear the shirt, right? See, maturity, teleos, is what we're all supposed to be. Perfect is unattainable without Jesus. Perfect is heaven. Can't wait. It's going to be a great gig. Maturity, you can do. You can. Don't pretend. 
Just be real right where you are and say, you know what? I'm going to get better. I'm going to grow. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Hey, where, where do I get better in this area? My finances are a mess. Well, let me put you in a financial small group. Hey, no, no, My marriage is a mess. Let me go to a marriage small group. Hey, maybe you get some counseling. No, no. Those are all healthy steps. That's how you grow. That's how you mature. In the same way as the emperor was walking about with no clothes, we find the true history of Moses fleeing from Egypt in the book of Exodus in your Bible. He flees from Egypt because he murders an Egyptian thinking that he was going to deliver his people ahead of God's timing. And so instead of being able to succeed at that point, he flees to the wilderness and he's running about on his own. He's actually fleeing God's plan. And so God wanted to get his attention. And the book of Exodus tells us that Moses was walking around and he noticed that a bush was on fire but was not being burnt up. Listen, a bush on fire isn't anything exciting. A bush that doesn't burn up, that's a whole different deal, right? How many of y'all have ever made a fire and wished that you wouldn't have to go get more wood, right? (laughs) That's me. So Moses is like, I need to check this deal out. He walks up to the burning bush. God speaks to him, and I always hear it in that Charlton Heston voice, Moses, you know, like that, that deep and booming voice. And he says to him, you're standing on holy ground. Take your sandals off. You're standing on hagios. You're standing on ground that is holy to God. Ground that's different than all the other grounds. It's set apart. See, holy isn't perfect. Holy is fine china that's been set apart. There are certain places you do certain things, and there are certain places you don't do those things. How many of y'all? When you go to bed tonight, are going to wear the shoes that you've been wearing all day and then get into your bed with those shoes. I'm not doing that. How about you, right? I'm not bringing all of that that's in the world into my bed. Why? Because your bed is holy. Your bed is set apart for cleanliness. Can I get an amen, somebody, right? It's set up. So I'm trying to change your understanding. Uh, uh, Growing up in God is attainable, but holy is also attainable. You can choose to set yourself apart. So write it down with me. Setting yourself apart. Hagios is a choice. You mature in a process. You grow. It takes steps. But listen, you can in a moment decide to be set apart. You can walk up to an environment where people are doing things that are ungodly and you can look at them and say, that's not for me. And in one moment, you can take those sandals off. Y'all following me today? Come on. You can, you can be holy. You can be mature in God. It's not for the elite. It's not for the certain few. It's not for the guy on the stage only. No, no, no. It's for every one of us to recognize that God is calling us to walk into environments and say, no, no, I don't need that in my life any longer. I need God more than that. And so we get into this process of maturing and growing. What I'm challenging you to understand today is only God is perfect, but that doesn't mean you and I should, should stop striving to be like God. That doesn't mean because the standard seems high that we should remove the standard. No, no, no. We should accept the standard and strive for the standard and pursue to be like God because God is God. Amen, everybody? Amen. But just because you can't be God doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to be like him in character and nature. What is happening in our current world is because we feel like we can't be perfect or those things, we put the mask on or we change the standard. And can I just tell you, write it down this way. It's better to struggle on the right standard than to succeed on the wrong one. Amen, everybody? 
It's just better to struggle for what's best than to take mediocre and say, oh, that's good. So today's message, I know it's a bit deeper. I know it's a bit challenging. Maybe I'm even stepping on your toes a little bit. Not my intentions. I'm trying to help you to remove the mask and remove the pressure of perfection and just simply say, you know what? I can do this. I can grow. I can learn to love people that right now I don't really love. Can we be that honest? Hey, I, I can... I can Treat my children differently than my parents treated me. If what your parents did was ungodly or maybe negative, you can grow and you can become more mature. You can speak words of life. You can be life-giving. You can set yourself apart and be different. It's a choice. First Corinthians chapter six, the apostle Paul, he kind of, he brings some very challenging words and I need to tell you ahead of time, I'm gonna read the passage. You ought to read it with me. It's a very, very clear understanding of what the standard is. First Corinthians 6 and 9 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people. Would you read the next line? Come on, full voice. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. He lists 10 sins. In the Old Testament, he gives us 10 commandments. The apostle Paul, mirroring that same idea, says there are some things that are a standard. There are some rights and wrongs in the world. And we are supposed to, we're supposed to understand that we're not changing the standard. No, no, no. We're pursuing God. We're not moving the line. We're accepting that God is the one who created us. God is the one who determines what's right and wrong. I know. It's more of an oh me than an amen moment. All right, but here's what it should affirm to you that every one of us are on that list already. Every one of us falls short. Every one of us are imperfect. Maybe one of those you're like, oh, not that one, but this one, yeah. And maybe the person that's that one's going, oh my gosh, look at that one. Can't believe she said that. Can't believe he did that. No, no, no. Here's the deal. We're all on the list because we all fall short. We all messed up. We're all imperfect. We're all immature. We're all like the emperor walking down the street in our britches without Jesus. Amen, Amen, pastor. (laughs) Here's what I'm trying to clearly say to you. We like to draw these lines, but we're all over the line. And if you're new to faith in Christ, welcome. This isn't a place where we pretend to have it all together. No, no, no. This is a place where we just say, you know what? I'm a work in progress. The very next verse in 1 Corinthians 6 says this, and that is what some of you were. Hey, that list, that's what we all were. Some of us may even be on the list still. Praise God, that's okay. You're in a great place because you're nearer to God than you were yesterday. You're more like God today than you were yesterday. You're not where you want to be, but thank God you're not where you used to be. 
You're growing up to be like him. He says, such were some of you, but you were reading with me. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. You were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. I want to take just a moment to unpack this verse and we'll close and pray together very, very quickly. The Bible says that all of us have fallen short. All of us are imperfect, so welcome to the club. But if you want to be more like God, the first thing you need to do and understand, number one, is that you have to be justified. You have to be justified. The word justified means that God looks as though just justified never sinned before. Because of Jesus, God sees you and me through the blood of Jesus. So when you come to judgment day, which the Bible tells us that every single one of us, believer and unbeliever, are going to stand before God to be judged. When we stand before God, God the Father is going to see you through Jesus or see you without Jesus. And if he sees you with Jesus, it's going to be a good day. Amen, everybody? Come on. Oh, happy day when my sins were washed away. Come on, enter in, right? <laughs> I'm more fired up than y'all are, but here's the deal. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word peace means you can look God in the eye. If you had a father where you've done the wrong thing, or you've been a father where your child has done the wrong thing, what can't they do when they've done the wrong thing? They can't look at you. Romans 5 tells us that when you've been justified, when you accept Jesus, write it down with me this way, this is the choice to accept the free gift of salvation. When you accept Jesus... In a moment, you are spiritually changed and you are seen. God the Father sees you through Jesus. The thief on the cross, how could he express faith with God in one moment and Jesus say, today you'll be with me in paradise? He couldn't change anything. He couldn't do anything. Why? In a moment, if you put your faith in God, you are justified in God. You are made perfect spiritually in that moment. Something changes and because that something changes, we get to spend eternity with God. It's a powerful, it's a powerful, powerful truth because most of us are mixing the understandings of what's supposed to happen. We're mixing the point two with point one. Listen, if you accept Jesus, you go to heaven. Amen, everybody? Amen. You accept Jesus, you are made right with God in that moment. Second thing needs to happen though, we have to be sanctified. So second word, he said, listen, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were justified, and you're sanctified. Sanctification is a word we really don't like. Because sanctification is the process of setting yourself apart. Sanctification is how you get holy. You look at the standard and you recognize that you're on the wrong line of the side of the standard and you choose to set yourself apart. It's your choice. You want to be fine china or paper plate, everybody? Fine china all the way. I made the decision a long time ago that I may not always get it right, but when push comes to shove, I've made a choice, and that is to set myself apart, to be like God. When the Bible's clear, and the Bible says it, that's what I'm gonna do. The choice has already been made. Show me where the Bible says I ought to be a different way, then that's right. I may be wrong, but the standard isn't changing. I have to set myself apart. I have to move over. First Corinthians 1 says it this way, to the church of God in New Orleans, <laughs> to those, 
to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. There is a group of people we're sanctified and we're called to be holy people. Write it down. Here's the practical part. This is the act of retraining your mind, your will, and your emotions. Sanctification is you retraining your mind, your will, and emotions. Listen, when you've done the wrong thing for a long time, you'll be emotionally connected to the wrong thing. And what you're going to have to do is retrain your emotions to be more connected to God's plan than the world's plan. And when you retrain your emotions, you'll realize that the world's plan had nothing on God's plan. I don't think y'all are understanding me. See, the world says, I'm gonna give you a real example. Here's what the world says. You need to try out your spouse before you get married to make sure you're compatible. And you need to try out as many till you find the one that you really feel compatible with. But here's the deal. You're creating emotional connections with many, many people in different circumstances and you're actually practicing divorce before you ever got married. Because you're starting a relationship at a level that God only intended for you to be with one person. Come on, I know you're not going to say amen, but follow me here. Here's the deal. At some point, you have to decide to to leave that emotional connection and say, I'm going to get married. That's a sign of repentance. Or I'm going to remove myself from this relationship. Pursue God's plan. And then when you get married and you commit yourself to one person for life, can I just tell you, the sex is better. The life is better. Everything is better because God's plan is better. Come on, you and me. Come on, let's worship Jesus right there. Come on. Here's the deal. Can I? I, I've I've wrestled over this message so much because it it, it is hard-hitting. It is. You're looking at a guy that didn't do the right thing before. Before. I, I just didn't do the right thing in honoring God and preparing for marriage. I didn't do the right thing. But when I went all out for God, I decided that I was going to mature and I was going to set myself apart. And for four years, for four years, I left everything that I did before. And for four years, I pursued God's plan. And then God brought a godly woman in my life and we began a godly relationship and we've had a godly relationship for 16 years. Praise God. But it would have never happened had I not chosen to set myself apart. You can do it. You can do it. Hebrews 12 and 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be hagios, holy. Because without setting yourself apart, we won't see God. Here's the last and we close. He says, I need you to get washed. I need you to go through the process of washing these things out of your life. Justified, you're saved, you get to go to heaven. Sanctified, you're gonna work through the process of your mind, your will, and emotions. Washing, washing is a physical act of just taking some things out of your life. In Exodus chapter 30, verse 18, he said, I want you to make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. He said, I want you to go from where you're meeting to get into God's presence, you're gonna have to wash. You're gonna have to wash yourself. So in John chapter 3 and 25, the the New Testament, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew. It says, over the matter of ceremonial washing, they took this very practical thing of washing their lives and they made it a ceremony. Today, what does that mean to us? To wash yourself is the physical act of repentance. It's the physical act of I was going this way and I remember what God said and now I'm going to go this way. How do you mature? 
How do you get holy? You're justified, you're sanctified, and you start washing some things out. Ephesians 5 and 26 says, we're washed by the cleansing of God's word. The word of God is like the soap. You go to the sink, your hands are muddy, everything's a mess. You go to the sink and you begin to compare yourself to the word of God and you begin to change according to the word of God and what it says rather than what someone else says about you. You wash and you turn towards God. 2 Timothy 2, last verse. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. You've got you to turn away. And then he brings the comparison. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes. Some are for common use. Some are set apart. Some have not. If you follow the verse, he says, those who cleanse themselves. Would you say those two words? Come on. Cleanse themselves. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. You choose. You choose to cleanse yourself. I accept the justifying work of God. I begin to connect my mind, will, and emotions to the things of God. And then I start turning away from the physical things and I turn towards God. When you do that, you will mature and you'll become holy. You won't be perfect. That's heaven, everybody. You will mature and you will be set apart to be like God. Would you bow with me as we close today? God, thank you for every person here. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to hearts right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're far from God for any reason, if there's something that's gotten between you and God, this is your moment to make it right. This is just like you being that person, the thief on the cross who needs to be right with God. You're one prayer away from changing the trajectory of your life. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand. I will not ask you to come to the front. But if you're here today and you're far from God, would you heartfully and honestly pray this prayer? I'll say the words. You say it right after me. Lord Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? And God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.